welcome back to Trennis Magnus, Jab's Reality, a podcasting vacation presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and generally, right around now is just about the time that I would do one of two things. First, maybe what I'd be doing right now is recording sort of a 2018 year in review type of thing where I talked about uh, the episodes that I've done this year and like the things that I thought turned out okay, maybe some of the things that could have been better, and so on and so forth. Or perhaps what I'd be doing is giving you guys a little bit of a preview of coming attractions and hyping up certain things, mostly just to prime the pump a little bit and also just kind of pat myself on the back for being as awesome as I am. But the, the hand that I've been dealt right now is that Trinus Magnus Punches Reality is, as, as many of you know, it's on hiatus, right? It's basically a podcast in exile, and so there's really not any way for me to give you guys a preview of coming attractions, since I'm not entirely certain when Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is coming back, and for that matter, when it does come back, I'm really not sure what I'm going to be talking about. So, there's that. I mean, I've got a couple of episodes uh, in my archive. Not as many as you might think. I mean, there was a time when I had a fucking shit ton of episodes in the can that were basically finished and were just waiting to be released. Well, I've pretty much run through my archive, and I don't really have all that much left in the tank at this point. There are a couple of predictable things, you know, like some... Astro City comics and Batman comics and a couple of Superman comics, but really not all that much. So can't really give you too much of a <clears throat> of a preview of coming attractions. So that's that's one thing. And by virtue of the fact that my podcast is kind of in exile, it's on hiatus. There's really not a whole lot for me to say about my output in 2018. I did a mega series called The Caped Crusades. And that's about it. You know, there were a couple of other things, but not really. So, anyway. So what can I talk about? Well, one of the things that I that I could talk about is a lot of you may not know this, but I've actually been kind of vindicated when it comes to goings on with the DCEU and all of that stuff. What I at least am interpreting as the DCEU, at least as we knew it, basically getting mothballed, pretty much. And when I say that's kind of a vindication of me personally, some of you are probably calling bullshit on that because I'm, I mean, I don't know this to be true, but my guess is I have got to be somewhere established in like the royal fucking elite of Zack Snyder apologists because I've done like 13 or 14 or 15 or 16 hours or something like that altogether of podcasting about 
first of all, Man of Steel, and then second of all, Batman v Superman, you know? I can't really deny having enjoyed those movies at this point because there's just so freaking much evidence out there that proves that I did. And so when I say that the failure of the DCEU, at least as we knew it, is kind of a vindication of me, like I say, that could strike some of you as a little bit of a false, some might say dishonest note on my part, but hear me out, guys. Ages and ages and ages ago, I was a serious proponent of not necessarily a, a shared DC universe, but a particular style and, a, and tone and approach for a Superman movie. And specifically, the idea that I had, with an eye on the music that you're hearing right now, the idea that I had was not even really to do a Superman movie, per se, but to do more like a young Superboy movie. You know, basically start off uh, with young Superboy, he's all zooming around and doing his thing, and just make this a very comic book type of, uh, type of movie. And, you know, maybe at some point in the future, you can do uh, like a proper Superman series of movies that are set in that same universe when Superboy has grown up to become Superman. Then you can maybe start doing some Superman movies and just kind of see where things go from there. Guys, you got to go pretty fucking far back in my personal history, but... I want to say it was, jeez, uh, let me, like 2008, 9, and 10, and through there, I was a very vocal and very prominent, some might even say kind of an obnoxious cheerleader for this, uh, for this type of comic book-centric movie approach that, that I was daydreaming about at great length. And obviously this is uh, pre-Trinus Magnus Punch's reality, I hadn't even thought, at least not seriously, I hadn't thought about starting my own podcast, but basically what I wanted was something that would be, in terms of tone, go completely the other way, away from the dreck that was Superman Returns, and I thought that something along those lines might be an effective way of doing it. Now, any vindication that I have on this, guys, we do need to acknowledge it's only partial vindication because yes and in, in one sense i guess you could say the wide audience the movie going public the unwashed masses whatever you want to call them ultimately did turn their backs on at the very least Zack snyder's approach to superman that's not necessarily a ringing endorsement of my preferred approach but I'll take my victories where I can get them. You know, the, the simple fact of the matter is that I am on the record. I did have a live journal at one point, and no, I'm not going to tell you guys where you can find my live journal. If you're smart enough to figure it out, you can figure it out. But this isn't something that I maintain anymore. There's a reason most of you have probably never even heard that I even had a live, uh, a, a live journal at one point. But indeed, I did. And I went, like I say, went on at great length about what I wanted in Magnus's ideal uh, Superman, or Superboy, as the case may be, movie. And, you know, I was driving around the other day on my way home from work, and 
basically traffic kind of slowed to a crawl and I was there lost in my thoughts when I remembered all of this. And I also thought, you know, in the world that we live in today, I think the kind of style and approach that I had in mind for what I want from a Superman movie might actually be a lot more of a sellable concept today than it would have been 10 years ago when I first started daydreaming about all this stuff. But just picture it in your mind, if you will. Imagine, like I say, it's not a Superman movie per se, it's young Superboy, right? Superboy is like, just pick an age, right? 11, 12, 13, whatever. And from a narrative standpoint, <clears throat> what you need to do is get him from Krypton to Smallville. One of the problems that I think a lot of Superman movies have kind of struggled with, or a lot of Superman stories have kind of struggled with, is, is start <clears throat> starting off on Krypton, transitioning to Smallville, and then transitioning to Metropolis. Now, canonically, all of those things must happen, but some, some Superman stories in non-comic book media, some Superman stories make those transitions better than others. I know that Superman the Animated Series is kind of a sacred cow for a lot of people, but I don't think Superman the Animated Series does the transition from Krypton to Smallville to Metropolis smoothly at all. I just don't, and I never have. Well, a young Superboy movie doesn't face that that problem. Basically, you can start the movie off on Krypton and go through kind of a perfunctory origin, but you gotta do it. Go through the origin, move baby Kal-El to Smallville, and then hey, you're done. There's no pressing need in a Superboy movie to move him from Smallville to Metropolis. It's just not necessary. So right there, you're saving a lot of time in your narrative in terms of establishing this, setting up that, transitioning away from this over to this other thing over here. You're saving a lot of time doing it that way. But in terms of tone and style, one of the things that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has undeniably been very successful at doing is exploring the, the cosmic elements of the Marvel Universe. And their success in doing so tells me that, you know what, wide audiences might actually be open to <clears throat> a fun, not-too-serious, young Superboy movie. And when I say that, what I'm, what I'm kind of picturing here is a very Silver Age type of Superboy, by which I mean Superman as a boy. Or you could say perhaps even la you know late Bronze Age or something like that. It doesn't really matter which comics you you want to go with. You're not necessarily adapting comics, although I don't think that would hurt anybody. But I'll circle back to that later. Instead, what you're doing is you're adapting a specific type of tone, right? This very dense, layered, rich science fantasy type of tone that DC Comics once specialized in, and for better or for worse, they kind of sacrificed their, their place in the market in order to chase those Marvel dollars. And 
there are instances of DC being very successful in doing so. And there are other instances of DC crashing and burning when doing so. But whether anybody likes it or not, Marvel's branding in the marketplace is basically relatable characters. And more or less, this is the, the world outside your window, but with superheroes. Superheroes with flaws. Superheroes who are just like you, except they're superheroes. And so Marvel, love them or hate them, they recognized what their branding was, and then they accentuated that. So what if if DC ever has a momentary lapse into genius? What if DC Comics in film, you know, Warner Brothers producing DC Comics in film or on TV or whatever? What if they kind of return to that science fairy tale type of approach where I guess in a certain sense, it's okay for these characters to be aspirational ideals as opposed to uh, like flawed lead characters with whom you can identify. I mean, because excuse me, when the fuck did relatability become the make or break for these comic book characters? You know, I mean, I don't want to get all Bill Maher here because we've all seen what's happened to him. But one of the things about Stan Lee's legacy that I have always kind of resented is this sort of a priori assumption that a lot of people have that comic book characters are supposed to be flawed. They're supposed to be relatable. And if they are not those things, this is not a good character. And... Stan Lee, for better or for worse, was very good at subverting expectations, not only with his characters, but also with his storytelling. And he broke a lot of different molds in in doing all this and apparently made a fucking fortune in the process. And you know what? More power to him. I'm glad he did it. But it, it seems that the legacy of that has been kind of skewing and warping the expectations that people have of what comic book characters are fucking supposed to be. And I can't help thinking that maybe, just maybe, what we need right now is for DC Comics, or at least movies that are based on DC Comics, to somewhat return to form a little bit. So as I say, the idea that I had, imagine, if you will, a young Superboy movie directed by Brad fucking Bird. All right, and what might that be like? And so, since everything, it seems, these days has to be a fucking trilogy, why not do a trilogy of Superboy becoming Superman? Now, from the jump, there's always going to be some dumb son of a bitch in the room who says, but Magnus, but Magnus, Superboy would never work in live action. Oh, really? How do you know? Superboy has never really been done. In live action. I mean, yeah, there was that Superboy TV show from the late 80s and early 90s that I enjoyed watching, at least at the time that it was coming on. But let's face it, guys. Number one, that show was incredibly successful, so fuck you to anybody who says that that wouldn't work. But number two, I, 
that having been said, I number two, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a test case that proves Superboy is a failure, or for that matter, is necessarily even a success. The Superboy TV show was successful in its time, but I don't necessarily think that's the smoking gun evidence that I'm definitely on the right track here. But I happen to think that fortune favors the bold. Superboy, at least in the way that I'm picturing it, has never really been done in live action. So fuck it. Let's give it a shot. What's the worst that's possibly going to happen? Warner Brothers is going to have another movie that doesn't quite measure up to expectations. Well, how is that different from any other day? Anyway. So basically this trilogy of young Superboy movies, basically the the larger story that's being told is Superboy growing up to be Superman. And I I, I would want to shy away from the things that Smallville did just because I love Smallville. It's a great show. It's probably my favorite adaptation of Superman in live action. But at the same time, some, you know, a lot of that stuff's been, it's kind of been done. So we can go in a different direction now, and that's okay. So a trilogy of movies that basically set up, number one, Superboy transitioning into Superman. Basically growing up, as it were. His friendship with Lex Luthor, that turning sour. And eventually Lex Luthor becoming his most devoted enemy. Let's see. What else can we do? And I guess you you may as well throw in the death of the Kents too. Why not? And you can work in stuff like the Legion of Superheroes. And you can throw in just all these little tidbits from comics that everyone is convinced is fucking impossible. But guys, we live in a movie where... or, or Sorry, we live in a world where... A Marvel movie about a talking raccoon shooting a fucking machine gun made hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't think, and maybe it's just me, maybe my perceptions are completely fucked here, but I don't see a whole lot of daylight between something that comic booky being a success and somehow Superboy baking a giant cake for the entire town of Smallville. Somehow that's just over the line. Mass audiences won't accept that. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Seriously, what's the worst that could happen in trying, you know? The idea here is to adapt, again, not necessarily a specific comic book, although I don't think that would kill anybody. I mean, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm a little bit fed up with these self-important, blowhard, dickhead uh, Hollywood directors that want to put their own stamp on things. It's like, fuck you and your stamp. Brian Singer, maybe what you need to do is keep your fucking stamp to yourself. Maybe what you should instead do is adapt the comics or lacking that. Can you at least tell something that aligns with the tone, style, and general presentation that Superman comics have had for decade upon fucking decade? I mean, I really enjoy Superman the movie, and I get the idea that Mario Puzo, whenever he was writing his drafts of the movie, he read enough of the comics to become conversant with 
the state of the union as it is with or as it was with Superman in the mid 70s. And if you're hearing a noise right now, that's my little space heater that's warming my toes. So just try to ignore that if you can, because I'm not turning it off. It's freaking cold in here. Same thing with Richard Donner. I got the idea that he didn't necessarily bury himself in comics, but he got the, I guess, the basic gist of the types of stories that were being told, the tone that Superman comics of that time were generally going for, and then filtering all of that through this sort of nostalgic prism of good old-fashioned Americana, and hey, there's Superman the movie, Haas. And those things are fine, and I think that's I think that's what Mario Puzo, like Tom Mankey, what's this? I couldn't tell you, but Mario Puzo and to some degree or another Richard Donner, I just, I get the idea that's what they did. Brian Singer didn't do it. And I don't think that, you know, adapting comics is necessarily the end all be all, but guys, let's be real. There are worse things you could do. And so if, but for whatever reason, if you're just determined not to adapt a specific uh, bunch of comics and put those on film, that's fine. I guess. But at the very least, let's make this thing into a pre-crisis love letter. So anything, any temptation that a filmmaker might have of wanting to, to ground this material and make it realistic. No, all that bullshit goes out the window, all right? Superboy arrives on Earth and, he, and his rocket looks more or less the way that it did in the pre-crisis era, you know, that kind of 1950s uh, space rocket science fiction B-movie sort of reject that colored blue and red because, hey, Superboy. That's what his rocket looks like. And on his, his last night in Smallville, he bakes a giant fucking cake for the entire town of, uh, of Smallville. And maybe when... A gang of criminals, when they want to rob a bank, they drive down the street uh, in in Smallville in a giant fucking purple tank, you know? And just, instead of running away from the source material and all these things that seem silly to some snooty dipshit out there, embrace that stuff. Embrace it with both arms. And, again, I'm not going to sit here and promise you this is guaranteed to make oodles and oodles of money. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But the simple fact of the matter is that Dub, is that Warner Brothers has... They've done it twice now. They've basically tried to make Superman, or at least Superman films, as far away from those fun and adventurous, lighthearted pre-crisis adventures, as far away from that stuff as they possibly can. And there's an argument that they've paid the price, literally and heavily, both times. So, fuck it. Let's make something that's that, that's based more specifically on the comics. And, like I say, I mean, there are a couple of different story threads and character arcs that you can pull straight out of the comics, most of which are pretty intuitive. You know, a boy becoming a man, a sort of a coming-of-age uh, trilogy of films. Well, gee, that's a pretty fucking accessible... A story idea. Give that a try. Why not? And the thing about it is, I'm, and look, in the first place, I don't need 
a shared universe. Happy to have it. Don't need it. But this type of Silver Age approach, it does have a spillover effect to where you can maybe take the same kind of treatment and apply it to other characters, right? Now, my personal view is that Superman entered the Silver Age right around 1959, 1960, and through there. Not all characters entered the Silver Age at the same time, this I do affirm, but just about the time that Mort Wiesinger became THE guy when it comes to Superman comics, that's just about the time you can say, yep, that's Superman entering the Silver Age. And the, the contemporaneous Batman comics that were coming out at that same time, those are not Batman in the Silver Age. Those are Batman in his very late Golden Age. And as it happens, I kind of have a real soft spot for those uh, 1950s and early 1960s uh, Batman comics, you know, where Batman is this larger-than-life famous do-gooder citizen of Gotham City, and he's always smiling, and he's not quite Adam West territory, where it's almost like self... I don't want to say self-parody, but there is a sense in which Adam West isn't really... The, the West TV show, it's definitely not taking itself seriously. And those 50s and 60s Batman comics, they were taking themselves seriously. They were just having a fun time doing it. And so you can apply something similar to that, where basically this is the, the virtuous, noble sort of swashbuckling, daring-do, kind of do-gooder Batman. Does that make sense? That Batman of the 1950s where he's fending off somewhat romantic interest from uh, Kathy Kane, Batwoman, and Betty Kane uh, is pursuing Robin. You know, that version of Batgirl, Betty Kane, is pursuing Robin. And it's this, this just... Uh, not quite over the top, but this very dense and rich science fairy tale type of setting where Bat might, maybe he's going to show up at some point and cause some mayhem and some ruckus and a good time is going to be had by all, you know? And you can do stories like that about Batman because, guys, again, I don't know this to be true, but I look around at goings-on with Batman, especially since the the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, and I can't help thinking, you know what? It is possible that wide audiences are getting a little bit fed up with this overly dark and grim and gritty Batman. You know, maybe they've had their fill of that. Maybe, maybe what the market wants right now is a little bit more of a light, sort of fun Batman. <clears throat> Again, Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but what's the harm in at least trying? And you can go on down the line. <clears throat> All of these things can, this basic tone and style, you can apply this just as easily to The Flash and Green Lantern as you can to Superman and Batman. You know, it goes down the line. Go ahead, give it a try. And 
what what some of you may be thinking right now, if you're casting your memory back to a few weeks ago, where I, I talked about Warner Brothers developing all of these different DC Comics movies that are completely independent of of one another, and they have these radically different uh, styles and approaches, and they exist completely separate from one another. And so some of you may be thinking, how is this Silver Age slash, slash Bronze Age approach that I'm espousing here, how do those two things fit with each other? You know, this kind of semi-shared universe Silver Age thing that I've been talking about in this episode as compared to the more sort of freestanding approach I recommended in that other episode I did a couple weeks ago about the, I guess the the dead or dying DCEU and what might replace it and goings on with that Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Hopefully I'm giving you enough hints here. You remember now. And honestly, guys, I'm just spitballing ideas. All right. That's really what it comes down to. Basically what I want, what I don't necessarily need, but what I would like to see is, I guess just a more of a pre-crisis type of approach that doesn't try to be, all serious and relatable and, and all of that stupid bullshit, but allows these characters to be the aspirational ideals that they were originally intended to be, or at least what they morphed into during the 50s and the 60s and going forward from there. And basically just ex not necessarily doing these dense, rich character studies so much as allowing audiences to see all of these aspirational visions and ideals and just let them dream. You know, how cool it would be to see a very 1950s type of uh, Batmobile with a giant fucking fin on the top of it, zooming down, uh, zooming through downtown Gotham City and these impossibly tall Art Deco types of skyscrapers and all that stuff. And, you know, this is not a an angry, bitter, vengeful, dark Batman at all. This is a guy that's considering his background he's about as well adjusted as you could ever really hope to be at that point and putting him in a science fantasy type of setting that or science fairy tale type of setting as the case may be that is going to allow him to be this big broad expressive larger than life icon which i think is where these characters ultimately work the best anyway and doing that same type of thing with with Superman, doing that same type of thing with Batman, with Aquaman, on and on and on and on. Hell, you could even do a Green Arrow movie in this style, kind of as counter-programming to the Arrow TV show, and who knows, maybe that could be kind of interesting too. But my point is, there's more than one way of, of doing these types of movies, and so far we've only really seen the more grounded, realistic, dark or semi-dark, or in the case of Superman Returns, kind of emo sort of approach. So why not go the other way and do something that's a little bit more, uh, more fantasy-like, more, uh, more storybook, fairy tale, aspirational, iconic type stuff? You know, why not give that a try? You know, because again, what's the worst that can happen? Maybe the movie will be crazy successful maybe it won't but even if it fails so what you haven't i mean sorry guys but how's that different from any other day you know so anyway i 
I'm not sure if I'm a, if I'm even doing all that good a job of explaining what I'm imagining here, but I'm, but just kind of picture, if you will, uh, a young Superboy movie that's stylistically and tonally kind of in sync with that New Adventures of Superboy comic book from the early to mid '80s, or a Legion of Superheroes movie that's uh, in terms of tone and style is pretty consistent with the Legion as they were uh, seen throughout the late 50s and into the mid 60s so on and so forth you know that just bright shiny happy adventurous semi swashbuckling do-gooder science fantasy or science fairy tale type of approach I think it's got a lot of potential to it, you know? And as I say, there's not much to, to risk losing, but there's a lot potentially that could be gained. So that's just about what I would want to see. And that, I think, is pretty much it for me for right now because, I don't know, I guess I've said my piece. So anyway, bye everybody. I'll see you next time. Okay, so I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks podcast network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. You can friend me on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at TrentusMagnus at gmail.com. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Do you have a podcast of your own? If so, why not record a promo for me to play on my show? It's quick, easy, and can help you spread the word about your show. I'm always looking for more promos to play. Keep it fairly short, and yours could be next. My promos can be found at this show's homepage for those interested. Just look for the promos section. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time.
Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law, some assembly required, batteries not included. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonzacore of Milan, Italy. <laughs>